Hi everyone and welcome back to It's Good to Talk brought to you by the Let's Chat YouTube channel. So I am joined today by Joelle who is a um, peer specialist from Colorado over in the US um, and that's basically our topic today is um, peer-based support. Uh, we're just going to go into that, uh, what it means, um, how it's used, what it, what it can actually do and kind of all areas around that. Obviously we're going to go off script at some point because we always do but it will still be on something um, hopefully you'll find useful or that you can kind of interact with. So, um, Joelle, do you want to just kind of intro and give us an idea of kind of what you do, what your, you know, your job is and things like that? Sure. Um, so I was actually, um, I was originally trained in the state of Massachusetts and um, so peer support is really, um, when you're a peer specialist, it's a particular kind of support. So peer support in general is this concept that, you know, you give someone support based on the idea that you have similar experiences or you, you have this like mutual, um, this mutual experience of either things you've gone through and it doesn't have to be like a precise thing, but you know, shared experience or shared feelings. So there's this mutual understanding of, of understanding yeah. <laughs> um, that you could share because it's mutual. Um, but so, so you, you know, you have a supportive relationship based off of that. And is the idea is that, um, you know, you try to balance out two like power differentials and that it's most supportive in that way that you can lev level out the playing field basically as much as possible. Um, so, but peer support, when you're a peer supporter or a peer specialist, um, it's very particular, like there's there's a code of ethics that go along with it. Um, and you get training and, and some of the training is around like, you know, um, preventing enmeshment. So um, it's not just like a paid friends, mm. which a lot of people tend to think, yeah. um, you know, we don't just get paid to like go out with for coffee with people. We really, um, we really support people in the way that they want to be supported and, and people to engage with a peer specialist, they want to, they have to want to do that. Um, yeah. so there's a lot that goes into it. Like there's a lot of thought and, and very detailed ways that we support people, but they always have to want to be involved. We only pursue things that they want to pursue. Um, we support them in the way that they want to be supported. So like, I'm not going to tell somebody to take their meds, for example, because that's yeah. not my job. That is, um, very conflicted with the idea of mutuality and that people know what's best for them. Um, so, okay. so do, do you see, um, cause obviously I think people may be concerned potentially if it's a peer based thing and you're not a trained doctor or anything like that. So, um, do you see yourself as giving advice or is it more of a kind of, um, lending an ear and being um, a facilitator for better mental health for them? Or is it, do you see it as a kind of a, a low level counseling job? Like, is it, what, what, what kind of scale are we on there? I think it kind of deviates from all of those. Okay. To be honest. So, so I mean, like when, you know, I actually, so um, my job right now is I work on a support line um, in Colorado. We're actually part of the Colorado crisis services the state of Colorado crisis services. So we are part of that whole people, uh, the system where people may be in great distress, um, maybe looking for immediate services, maybe looking for a walk-in center, which is um, where they can go and get like an immediate assessment and either be directed on to possibly inpatient or, or be directed to um, a pretty immediate appointment like the next day with a mental health professional. 
Um, we also are involved, and this is where it gets kind of sticky, um, with mobile crisis, where people um, come and visit your house. Um, but with all these things, like with mobile crisis, the person that we talk to has to want them to come. Yeah, I think um, that, that, that kind of, that does make sense in my head, because I think when I think of um, peer support in my in my head as we talked about um, before we turned on the camera well before we started recording was um, I, I went to try and push it when I was at university first time round, and the, the way I always thought about it was um, like talking to your friends um, and talking to a mate so but it's it's talking to a friend who is a good friend not yeah, so like bit, just yeah. telling you what you yeah, want to yeah. hear Oh yeah, no, of course. But I so, mean, so, yeah. in that way of like, in that way of you are the one that goes to your friend is how I was thinking of it. So it's not like your, yeah. your friend might, might say, how are you doing? And try and be like, you know, are you okay? And they might ask you a couple of times, but you, you rarely have a friend that goes, grabs you by the collar, puts you down and goes, right, you will talk to me. And I think that's possibly the same as, as the peer support of like, if a friend comes to you, okay, what, how, how can I help? And it sounds a little mm -hmm. bit like you do almost like a mental health triage as well. Cause you're saying you, you kind of, you, you see whether they're okay if they need immediate help. Is that kind of coming yeah. into the role as well? Yeah. And that's not, so that's not always what peer supports do. I've actually had several different positions as a peer specialist. Um, when I was in Massachusetts, I, um, where I was trained and like, you know, got my little wheels. Um, <laughs> I, um, so I worked in within a recovery learning community, which is, uh, I don't think it's a particular setup for Massachusetts, like the idea, but what it is, is it's, there's several different regions in Massachusetts and they have different um, recovery centers. Um, and what they are, they're completely peer run, the programs are completely peer run, um, and they're all different kinds of programs from um, uh, working on like writing skills to crafts to like, um, like whatever kind of hobbies to um, support groups to like anything you want. Um, there's also like career centers and things like that and um, music stuff like so all these centers are they're basically just run and developed however the 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 people with lived experience want to develop them and everywhere from the director on down to anyone who visits them. Um, they're people with lived experience and you don't need a diagnosis you just say I have lived experience. I want this support and connection. So I worked there. I also worked in hospitals, um, which was hard. Um, yeah. But now I work on a support line and we actually work in conjunction with a clinical line who's in the same organization. Okay. So is that, so do they, do, does the, the, the clinical line, do they kind of, do, do you almost kind of, I don't want to say ping pong, but do you just kind of throw someone over to the other of them, the clinical line going, I think you might be better off talking to someone here who's had this experience and then you might go, I think you might be better talking to the clinical line or is it just, is it still quite separate? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it gets, it gets a little weird, but it's um, for our organization, I guess a few years ago, they decided that even for the clinicians, they, they really want to hire people who have had some sort of, um, lived experience with mental health or distress or substance abuse and use, okay. you know? Um, so even when you're talking to a clinician on the clinical line where they deal with things very differently, where they may possibly do something called an act of rescue, which is where they, the clinician will make a decision like, okay, you're having an emergent situation. 
an emergent situation being like somebody's literally on the phone with you like taking pills like they're they're actively in the in the midst of of attempting to kill themselves um so an active rescue would be where they're calling police and, and calling an ambulance okay at that point um but so even if you have the clinicians which which may be obligated to do that they themselves have had lived experience and so i think we have a very unique setup at our organization yeah where every single person has had some sort of experience um but we what we do is yeah we have so we have the peer support line and we have the clinical line which is the crisis line but honestly like we at the peer support line we get people who are in extreme distress yeah all the time who are saying you know like i'm thinking a half hour from now i'm gonna do a b and c but i'm calling and and they will have they people will have plans people will have will have ideas like means things like that and even as peers we talk to them we safety plan there's a lot of times we don't need to tell them please talk to a clinician like there's a lot of times and i think people get scared because it's like peers we're not clinically trained we have the capacity to support people where they're at yeah i mean i i always get um it's always a weird one for me so for anyone watching that doesn't realize the links are below um, I, I'm a mental health um, uh, Twitch um, affiliate as well. So I do um, Twitch streams. Uh, the Laz is um, also over there. And is a lot of the time in my chat trying to help out as well. Um, but when you, you do find some people will just kind of um, come to me in, in a kind of a peer role because I'm, you know, they know there's lived experience and things like that with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm there just going, look, remember that I don't know anything. So it's very different, I think, because... Um, okay, I haven't had any kind of training to, and potentially if I'd have had the training, I would have felt differently. But I always um, personally kind of go, remind people, look, please talk to a professional. If, you know, if you're feeling, you know, I'm here to facilitate. If there's, if there's ways that you guys can talk to each other that's going to help. If there's a, a signpost I can give to you, like there's like my website that has all the resources. If there's anything I can do there, great. But at the end of the day, I don't know anything else and I, I always get I'm always a bit thinking on the idea of empath and thing but we won't go into that but um so I'm always <laughs> just like look even if I've had the exact same experience as you in my mind I can't understand because I'm not you and so mm-hmm. I'm always the kind of look here please because I'm always worried that something's gonna come back on me so is there ever that worry that you think shit like if 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 there's something said or if there's this that, and the other because we were talking beforehand of i think the the equate um the, the way it would equate over here of a similar line would be something maybe like nightline or samaritans over in the uk um although the people on there don't have to have had, um lived experience that is different but it's a it's a kind of you can bring these people who aren't counselors they're not this they're not but they, but they have got that kind of we will listen and we will try and be there. But I do think there's a lot of people, especially with Nightline, which is um, a lot more kind of localized, that people go, I don't necessarily know if I want to be on the phones in case someone comes in and then something happens. So is that kind of a constant battle you're having as well? Um, let me make sure I understand what you're asking. Are you <laughs> saying, I, well, I, I just, you know, I tend to kind of get in the weeds too. So I just want to make sure I understand. That's fine. Are you asking like, do I, am I worried about the responsibility given to me when I answer the phone? 
for yourself and, and potentially for for those under you in, in where you are, it, like, is there a worry? Because obviously, because um, you're in America, you're a hell of a lot more litigious than we are as well. So like, you're far more likely to get sued. Uh, so and, and, and that may sound yeah. harsh to, to a lot of English people and actually to a lot of people that aren't in America listening. That might sound really harsh when you equate it a life and a, and a legal thing. But I know that is obviously a secondary worry as well as just, yeah. I've got to protect this person, but at the same time, I need to protect myself from other things. So is that like a, a constant thing in the back of your head? Um, yeah, and, and a few, <laughs> in, in, I mean, in a few different layers. Right. And anyone about to listen to this answer, please understand I'm an incredibly empathic, empathetic and, and compassionate person. I probably have very different views than some people on the idea of suicide and support which have developed over several years. Mm. Um, so the thing is for me, um, I actually, like, I am kind of an amateur suicidologist, which is that I study suicide. I study the factors that go into it. Um, you know, I, I'm part of the American Association of Suicidology. I'm a chair on one of their committees. I work in, in some of their research projects. Um, I'm, I'm an attempt survivor myself. I've lost mm. some people. Um, I've presented, um, and, and now what I do basically is, is support people who are sometimes in the midst of, of thinking about they want to die tonight, they want to die tomorrow, they want to die this week. Yeah. That said, if somebody is really intent on dying, eventually they're going to lose that fight or not. We can support them as much as we want, but this is a very hard world. And the world sometimes sucks and we need to make this world better. We need to make this world a better place. So it can't just be on me, the people who answer the phone, the person who is in constant pain mm. to just like buck up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. So, so, so that, that, that is, that is one point of view. And then yeah. that is something that I hold in my head. Not that I ever like give up on somebody. Yeah. I do know that some people are just in such immense pain and they try and try and try and try and try. I don't hold it as a personal failure. If somebody says, I am so tired, I can't do this. Um, and it, and it's awful and it is heartbreaking and it is so sad that that our world is terrible like that. Hmm. And, and yeah. so I, I look at it like that. Um, I also look at it like uh, in my position that people are calling um, and sometimes people are calling who actually often people call our line because they're not being serviced by anyone else. You know, hmm. everyone else has let them down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I might not be able to give them a perfect answer. And most of the time I can't because I'm human being. Yeah. And as I said, the world is crap. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if I can just leave them with, you know, what are we going to do for the next two hours? What are we going to do for the next four hours? Um, come up with a plan. Let's try again tomorrow. We'll talk tomorrow. Um, if I can get them to want to call back tomorrow, that's going to be enough. Yeah, I mean, that sounds, although I think my time scale is a little bit longer, but it sounds similar to what I've said to people, which is, um, I expect to see you in stream. Um, and again, anyone that doesn't know Twitch, it just means when I'm on the camera live um, and they're in the chat, I, I just say to them, look, I, all I, I don't want to promise of anything else. The only promise I want is that I will see you in stream next week. Um, and 
it's weird because I think for, and unfortunately I've had to deal with people. Now, luckily I have not had, uh, that I know of anybody that has completed and actually almost everyone that I've come across so far has later come back and, and said about how they're doing well. You know, uh, there's a certain aspect that's going better now, which is great. And I think that's potentially, I don't think in any, I'm, I'm a little bit potentially harsher on myself than anybody else, but I always think it's not necessarily because of me. It's more because of the fact that they were clearly wanting help. That's why they came into a stream like mine. That is only mental health. Like I don't game. So it's, you go into something like that. I think potentially when you, even if you've kind of given up, there's clearly part of you that is still wanting help. Otherwise I don't think you'd go into it. I, that's just my opinion, but I think it's, it's, it's a it's a weird kind of juxtaposition that you put people in that you don't ask them to promise not to do anything you make them to promise to be in that stream so i just from my point of view i think if you ever say said to someone um look don't do it don't don't um hurt yourself anything like that the immediate response of most people i think probably myself would be included in this would be well fuck you like I'll do yeah. what I fucking want. Like screw you. Whereas if you just can yeah. go, look, all I want you to do is be in my stream. Just be in my stream. But of course, my stream is like two days a week, so I'm usually asking them <laughs> six, seven days. Like it's a Thursday. I'm going right next Wednesday. I want you to be in stream. And I think it's it's much easier, despite the fact that that's actually a longer term period. I think it's a lot easier for people to go, okay, I'll see you there, or at least go, I'll try, or or something like that, because it doesn't feel like as much of an emotional effort for them, even though it is. And I, I think it's, and, and obviously from one day to the next, if you've ever, and anybody out there that is suffering with um, depression, I'm gonna have the link to my website, which has the link to all resources across the world. So it doesn't matter where you are. If you're over in Colorado, if you're here in the Southeast UK, um, UK the, the resource will be there for anybody literally in the world, just check it through. Um, but if you're in that position, I think people never realize that you can literally go from, um, right, I want to. I want it to end now. To it going wrong or something happening, and your mind just going goes, oh well, fuck this, and you get annoyed with it so much that you don't do it, or that you just go, I'm going to go to bed now. And it's what always annoys me about things like CSI, NCIS, and all that that go, oh, well, they broke, they bought frozen food. Clearly, they, this isn't a suicide. Fucking learn something. Like it's not like right. that. Um, <laughs> but like, how does? I mean, it's it's very difficult because obviously. I think I probably have a peer-based thing with my chat, but I try and almost separate myself from it because I never feel as comfortable. Um, you know, I, I always remind people on there, like I'm not, I'm not this. I literally have a thing that, like in my chat to say, look, I don't know anything. I'm an educated idiot, that's mm -hmm. it. Like my education isn't in that. Yes, um, I am doing a, a diploma in um, counseling cultural behavioral therapy, but that comes from me doing the chat. It doesn't like, I didn't come on to chat like going, right, here's my doctorate in psychology. I came on chat going, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, guys, but I think mental health I can probably talk about. Let's go with it. And so <laughs> it's really difficult. And do you find that that can be quite a, um, like, do you find approaches such as my stream, and you can be honest, helpful and maybe part of that wider peer-based thing? Or do you think it can be a distraction or an issue? Um, I want to put a pin in that question because I didn't completely <laughs> answer your last question. Oh yeah, good, good, carry on. Which is like, 
in terms of like legality and responsibility yes. just specifically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm a supervisor for for people now answering the phone. Yeah. And I've been doing this this kind of work, like peer specialist work for as certified or not, I've been doing this kind of work, even dealing with people who are in extreme distress and wanting to die for about 15 years. Mm. So I have a certain level of tolerance, which other people may not. And I do feel a strong sense of responsibility mm. in terms of that, in terms of um, watching them for burnout, in terms of how much they feel responsible for other people and their welfare. Um, and I'm going to veer into your last question now. Um, <laughs> it's really important to have that distance that you were talking about like kind of a little bit that you say you yeah. you try to keep in your chat and that's not discompassionate that's not um that's not being like alienating or inhuman or anything it's it's really actually very important to it is a way to be compassionate it's compassionate for yourself and compassionate for the people that you you want to have that space that you want to give that support to because otherwise you get into things like enmeshment where you are trying to give too much of yourself, things that you don't have, and then they rely on you and you don't have these things to give them. Mm. And what can happen is either like you collapse <laughs> or they've gotten this like false idea of what you can provide them. Yeah. Or what can also happen is you're suddenly like, ah, too much. And then you rubber band back yeah. and you're like, get away. Um, so, but for the people that on my line, um, and for myself, I have to, yeah, I have to say, you know, we can provide what we can provide. Ultimately people will decide to call back. If, if they hung up, they can decide to call back. They have the resources that we've provided them. They have us as a resource. We do what we can do. We take it one call at a time. It hurts to lose people. It hurts to see people driving into a wall, you know, metaphorically. Yeah. Um, but if we are believing in, in the entire picture of what we do, which is that we want people to be able to have agency, we want people to be able to determine what happens to them. We also have to let that call go and trust that they'll call back if they feel like it's, it's what they want. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's hard it's, and it's scary sometimes. But yeah. you know, there are um, as scary as the prospect of answering phone calls for people who are saying they want to die, that they they want to hurt themselves, things like that. As scary as that can be, um, like as an idea, there are so few incidents where people are are actually completing suicide where where we're actually getting to the point where we're transferring to crisis and crisis is saying, this is a now situation we have to call and have a active rescue. There are so, so few. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's always a worry for, I think, I mean, it's, it's great that there's, there's so few, like I say, it's always a worry for, for mine. I mean, I've had some serious run-ins um, where I, I was very tempted um, yeah. even being in the UK to actually really lose my rag with um, a local council in the UK. Um, 
Potentially because they just didn't take it seriously. Because of a certain generation don't know what Twitch is for a start. Um, I had someone that basically said that was it. Um, came in and it wasn't in my chat. They, they literally messaged me through Twitch to say I'm done. Um, I have to say they have since been in chat. They're doing a lot better. They've, they've, like their, their, their studies are going well. Everything is going better for them. But at the time, all I knew was they're not messaging back and I'm trying to help. And I, I knew where they were roughly in the UK. So I rang up the local council and the adult um, mental health team there. And they just said, oh, well, you're going to have to ring the, like, who are you? Twitch. Oh, what, what's your qualification? Oh, well, yeah. You ring, the, ring, yeah. The, the, ring the police. Like, not, I was like, so 999. Oh, no, no, just ring the 111 thing. I'm like, well, what fucking good is that going to do? For one, the police don't know what they're fucking doing with it anyway. Like some police are trained in it, but most of them aren't. And that's not to say, like, I've come across police that are very well trained, some that, very, uh, that, that aren't. All of them want to help, but it doesn't mean that all of them can. And like a non-emergency line when I literally have someone who... The thing is, is that this person had... There was reason for that I know that they could have found this person because of details that had been given that I could have figured out. They knew, they had the information, they could have easily, like, because I didn't have the name of the person, I was like, well, what am I gonna do? Specifically say, like, what's your name and address? I can't fucking do that. That's not, that, that's not the point. Like, people come in because it's a safe space. And that's probably the similar yeah. thing with yours. They bring up because they know that people aren't just randomly going, you know, all this. And it does get really annoying um, because you can't necessarily get out. Do you, I mean, you have, I'm guessing, a lot more legitimacy with with services than I would. And I can understand that to a point. Yeah. But <laughs> do you ever kind of run into those kind of same same walls at all when you're trying to get somebody out to somewhere and they just go, oh, well, you know, you're not a doctor, you're not this or... Well, um, actually, I mean, the, the situation that you're describing, um, before I was officially a peer specialist, I was, um, you know, I was an admin of an online community uh, that was uh, by people with lived experience, for people with lived experience, and, like and I ran into group. a couple of those situations. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, the old bulletin boards? Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it was that, but it was really, really big. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, and it also had a live chat. Um, ran into a couple of those situations. Yeah, it's very frustrating. Um, very yeah. nerve wracking. Very scary. Yeah, because it's, um, it's yeah. do, and, and I mean that's uh, one of the biggest things I always complain about is the fact that no one wants to take it seriously. It's mm -hmm. you know it's not taken seriously. We know in the UK, um, despite some bullshit figures that they basically made up, we know that mental health during say the pandemic went up by about eight percent in the UK of recognised mm -hmm. mental health issues. That's not including everything else of how fucked up everyone else is from everything else, right. you know. And that's that's the problem. And it's just like, you know there's no there's no additional things put in place there's no like as i was saying before peer-based isn't from what i can see and please if you're watching this and you're in the uk and you you can put in the the comment section like no actually there's something here i cannot find any legitimately recognized peer peer support system <laughs> in the uk like there's things that the nhs offer and there's things like that but there's no kind of like it's not something that's generally done. Like some universities have it and we have the Samaritans, we have Nightline. Well, I mean, it's not, but... it's so like, like being, so like a peer support specialist is not what a university would do. Though no. some universities have like, 
like student peer groups, mm. which is peer support, but being a peer specialist is not the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm actually seeing that mental health foundation. Which is a separate, yeah. So th there's the thing. So mental health foundation is Australian. Um, that oh, is then coming okay, over. It then comes over to the UK. Yeah, okay. it exists in the UK, and they offer. They would be talking about the mental health first aiding. I'm guessing. I mean, they're talking about peer support. Ah, which is likely through mental health first aid. Uh, but I mean, you know, I'm I'm wondering if just like the NHS has has kind of put a cap on, has like kind of. So the reason I say this, So um, the mental health first aid which is generally the thing is I have mental health first aid. I'm a mental health first aid champion for higher education. Done the course. Yeah. It's a very thick book. Um, but, you know, I've done that. That is one of the certificates I have. But the problem is, is that, I mean, we talked about this before, that in, in America, it's very difficult to have nationally recognized things just purely because it's mm -hmm. so fragmented. Like if you go into New Mexico, it's not going to be the same as um, Rhode Island. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's just not the same people. Um, but that in the UK... That's not the case. In the UK, we could do it. But the problem is, is that we have things like Mental Health Foundation. Um, you know, we have things like Mind and people like that. But these are people that are then part of another organisation or they're part of this. Yeah. But people like um, the British Psychological Society, BPS or um, uh, BPA, uh, B, uh, BPCAB or people like that who are basically the governing bodies in the UK don't have it. And I think that's- Oh my gosh, like, well, the APA would never take right. on peer support. And, and we don't and have it- honestly, in America, you would never let them. <laughs> <laughs> and also in, in, uh, in America, you have it. So for instance, in Washington, the Washington state, the state will actually give, um, will allow you to do peer-based, uh, peer support specialism courses for free. Um, mm -hmm. I was checking this. So, but that's a state-run thing. In the UK, you would never, if it's not recognized by a governmental body, it's not recognized. And I think that's where potentially the problem is for us. Yeah. And that's why we only have things like university groups, Samaritans, because it's very difficult to do that. I mean, you've probably been that's in my chat I was a few wondering, times. Like, that's why I was wondering, like, if the NHS has been, like, kind of, like... The NHS wouldn't be in charge. No, 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 but... Uh, well, yeah, I, I just the fact that you guys have the NHS has been a reason that peer support has been suppressed. Uh, not really, because the, the uh, BP, BPS and BAP have nothing to do with the NHS. They're okay. separate. They're completely separate. Like they, uh, the, oh, uh, so like your, your mental health care is completely separate from NHS? You can get, so you can get mental health care through the NHS, but it's ba BPS and BAP, uh, they're the ones that recognize it. Like the NHS, yeah. so it's like a, it's a separate organization that recognizes it. So for instance, the NHS's um, psychologists would have to be mm -hmm. recognized by BPS. It's not good enough for the NHS to just go, this person is who we trust. Like they'd have to be, so that, that's what I mean. They are separate. So the NHS wouldn't really have, wouldn't really come into it for us. They are a separate organization still. Like, and it wouldn't really be, it almost wouldn't be something that we'd suppress. Like in the UK, I could see it being something that would be a complete, because like it, it, in terms of say, how we treat people in the UK, um, like therapy with a therapist or psychologist in America is massive. That's what you do first before counseling, it seems. Where in the UK, it's the other way around, like counseling and um, like CBD and more open 
interactive stuff is what we do more. So it would seem, at least in my kind of maybe my naivety, that, that a peer-based system would actually be pretty popular in the UK. It's just that for some reason it just doesn't seem to exist or it's just, oh, well, we have, like I say, Nightline Samaritans and they've kind of separated off and no one's thought to create something bigger it's like it's not like something yeah, it's weird like i don't like in my head there hasn't <laughs> been like a hole in the uk for peer specialists because like i and i don't know why i don't know like it's like a blind spot like in my head there's been peer specialists like it's been a thing in the uk like not well, so I, mean, I don't it could be like i, I said it could like, be yeah, i don't know but i'm it. looking and i'm like i'm not seeing like a lot of stuff so i don't know it's weird I'll i mean have to it, look into that it completely could be i think i said earlier that it, it's it maybe is done as part of a course <coughs> or something else like if you're doing counseling you end up at some point doing peer base it may be that in my diploma i end up doing peer base but um <laughs> And, and it's just, it's not, it, it may be that it's just not a separate course, but it's uh -huh. recognized from something else. But then because it's, it's only part of something, that is why it's not separate. If you know what I mean? Like if yeah. it's done as part I of- I just, if you're, yeah. so like, if you're doing counseling or social work and then you try to shove in like peer specialists with the ethics, you're gonna like, your mind's gonna explode because they're, <laughs> no, like, I mean, like, so- this is one thing, like working with clinicians, mm. like we have competing ethics sometimes. Yeah. So, which you figure out how to navigate that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and sometimes the things that we can't do, we have to put it in the hands of the clinicians and, and that's how we navigate those things. Um, but like, I mean, it does sound a lot, it does sound a lot more towards the mental health first aiding course, which we do. Um, so uh, you were saying earlier that um, in New Zealand, peer base is quite big. Now, New Zealand and Australia is where the mental health first aiding started. Mm -hmm. And then it came over to the UK. So maybe that, because like I say, I've done, I've done this course. This is, I mean, uh, let's see if we've got a definition. Um, it's created, blah, 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 community. So the aim in creating uh, the program was to extend the concept of first aid training to include mental health issues so that community members were empowered to provide better initial support to people developing mental health issues or mental health crisis. Yeah, I, mental health first aid is like gray area-ish mm. in terms of like really truly aligning with peer support ethics. Okay. Um, it's, it's not like terrible. It's just like, it's uh, not as ideal just because there some people can use it more like towards like gatekeeping kind of stuff like okay. this is my job to get you to to like right. this thing you know yeah. um so i mean it's it's definitely better than like okay clearly we have to call the police but <laughs> um you know it's not always like super ideal um mm. just just so like <laughs> When I say stuff like that, it's not like you're a bad person. It's like I, I, I operate very strongly from like my ethics as a peer specialist. Mm -hmm. So like that's just always how I look at stuff and align it. It's not like you're terrible. It's yeah. like just it's, that it's, I very strongly align things with yeah. like as a peer specialist. It's not that like, and I understand like other people have different ethics and like professional ethics and stuff that they align with. Just like I'm always like, is this aligning with what I'm doing? <laughs> 
Really I mean, I, it's like I've said a few times on podcasts that I do um, and other places that I think the big, the, the big issue as well is that between, we always, everyone always seems to think the US and the UK are so similar. We're really fucking not. But the fact we spoke, we, we both speak English, that's generally it. Like, beyond that, everything is different. Like almost every, apart from the things that America doesn't think is, um, is the same, like the way you measure things, like I don't know how to measure things in kilograms. I'm pounds and feet and it's, you know, it's miles per hour, not kilometers. <laughs> Apart from the stuff that you seem to think that you do alone in the world, which actually you don't, everything else seems to be different. Like, Wait, yeah. So it, like, <laughs> in terms of like healthcare, mental health, it's all very different. So I think a lot of the times it could be yeah. cultural as well, that we just don't, we don't see the same things as a problem here because it's not, in our culture like we were i was talking to someone um the other day actually about the, the I, I apologize if this is offensive the word cunt in the uk is not a, it's really not an offensive word it's a, i don't it's a really have a problem word. with it i know a lot i know but it's I've in america into trouble it's, before yes yeah. but it's but the, that's the weird thing like so a simple word like that you will so you can hear it said in in england as uh, offensive but nine times out of ten it's actually a term of endearment it's actually. Right. I mean, like Fanny is kind of a no-no in Australia. Here as well. That's. Oh. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. When you say like when people say um, fanny pack, like that doesn't exist. It's a bum bag over here because a fanny literally means the same as cunt. Basically, it's not as a yeah. as offensive. Yeah. But it's the same thing. <laughs> I didn't yeah. realize it was the same in UK. Yeah. I thought it was just Australia. But yeah. No, like... no, no. That's they got a language from us. Um, <laughs> but but it's that weird. Thing okay, that so even... we're one for one now. <laughs> So it's that weird thing of like, even, even words, simple words mm -hmm. can be wildly different. Like from like in, in, I know in America, if I said that word in America, it would be like, you're shut down. You're not on TV now. You're not doing this. Whereas in the UK, um, say for like big U, uh, YouTube streamers, like um, for, for England, that would be people at the side men who have like 10 million subscribers. They, they like, they do stuff with Mr. Beast and things. So they're big people you'll hear that word in their, in their stuff all the time. And it's, it's literally a kind of, are oh, you right? You're right, mate. Yeah, like um, Ricky Gervais said in, in one of his uh, things that he went up to Scotland and a, a Scottish police officer came up to him and went, you're a funny cunt. And obviously to a lot of Americans, that would be like, oh my God, that's so offensive. But especially if it's a Scottish person, you're like, oh, thanks. Because, and it's like the idea that you can get something so similar that's so different I think when it comes to like maybe how we approach peer-based support and other general mental health, I think this is why it's always difficult. And it's actually why when I do the podcast, I'm on, it's like, it's me and then two Americans. And sometimes we have a Canadian as well, because it's, it's very interesting seeing how completely different something that like an, an American will be like, Oh no, but this is far better. And I'm there going, that would be offensive in the UK. Like we will see that as sarcastic or we will see it as, as this, you know, like, it's, it's very different of how you would approach things. Cause I think how you would approach being talking to someone as an American, if you said it to a Brit would probably be like, they're taking the piss. Like that's yeah. like how you would introduce a friend. I think a lot of the time you introduce a friend, <laughs> like in America, you introduce them very nicely. And again, over here, if you we introduced our friends, like, Oh, this is Brad. He's an amazing guy. We'd be like, the fuck? <laughs> like, that's so weird. Um, so it's, it is weird and maybe maybe that's why maybe that's why it hasn't come across the same way i don't know and if there are any english people listening that are just going what the fuck are you on about we have it all over the place please because i've been looking um so yeah, i'm i'm wondering if it's like yeah 
it's just like I I don't know. <laughs> no, it's weird. And it's like you say, it's 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 that thing of it's like, like in my, it in seems my like it should be. Like yeah. and also like in my mind it's been. And so like I'm like <laughs> Mandela I, effect. But, yeah, like, but no, but I, I know it is, it is in like a lot of different countries. I keep on like screwing up the it's it, fine. The, it is in a lot of different countries. It's definitely not just a U.S. thing. Um, no. But, um, yeah, there's, you know, there's always like cultural and, and like systemic things that, that don't always translate or like that make it harder to um, integrate things. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's, it's hard to do. I mean, even um, I, because the, the way I would see it for maybe an issue in the US would be for um, Latinos, because obviously there's a, as a jet, and this is a general thing, this is a general, but there's a far more kind of machismo, for instance, in, in Latino backgrounds. So that could, mm. I would assume, be quite hard to deal with if you're peer based as well. So there must be, you must kind of face a lot of, of, of that stuff. No? I mean, we do, we do. So, uh, I, I do talk to a few a few Latino men um, online. I, th I think actually it provides some comfort that is fairly anonymous. There's also um, there is a so I wish I had something more specific to talk about this, but there is a similar kind of position that actually developed in. Um, in Latino communities called primatores. And it is actually like a culturally based um, oh. position, like role. Right, okay. Um, so, but it developed in their communities, but it is culturally peer-based. So it um, it's based on like the, the mutuality of culture and, and the like kind of distressing experiences combined with cultural experiences. So, um, that is peer based, but it's not like a peer specialist yeah, yeah. role, but it is so that it's interesting how, so we were talking about like, you know, cultural and cultural differences yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So that is, um, and, and that has been found, like I've seen that a lot, like in California, for example, too. Mm. Um, yeah, cause it's, I mean, was it, you've got, I can think of three states where I would assume it that like Florida, Texas and, and California, where I kind of, I think of be, there being a lot of Latinos in, in those. Yeah. States. So I don't, I don't know if it's in Florida, honestly. Um, I don't, I don't have any idea what's going on with Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think Florida know what's going on with Florida. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't know what's going on in Florida. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, yeah. So it's a really interesting role. Um, it kind of combines like, so there's this, there's this role of community health workers yeah. <laughs> that uses a lot of the concepts of peer specialists, but does not necessarily require shared experience, which is really weird. <laughs> um, well, I so, mean, I but, don't think we would over here. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's certainly not something I would, like I said, with um, Nightline and Samaritans, who would be, yeah. you know, just someone to talk to, which I, you know, it'd just be a, another person. Sounds like community health worker-ish. So yeah, community health yeah. workers are more like, they may or may not have like lived experience of distress or, or any of these, these particular issues, but they don't necessarily use that experience, like sharing that experience in their support, but they do attempt to um, establish as much mutuality as possible, which is really hard if you're not like 
this should happen to me too. Um, but you know, they try to diminish like the power differentials and things like that. And like, you know, not wearing badges, not wearing suits, like crap like that. Um, going out into people's communities, wherever, meeting them where they're at. Um, and so like prematories are kind of in between community health worker and peer specialist, but okay. in, uh-huh. in, in Latino communities. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's good so, that it even exists. I mean, it's yeah. like, like I say, it's, I think in the UK, we may have potentially it's, it's, it's a similar thing, but we just don't have that interaction. So when you have the, the shared experience, is it do when people are ringing in, do they only speak to someone with the kind of matching shared experience? Or is it just the idea that you've had a, like you, at some point, apologies for language guys. Um, you, you've just been fucked up at some point. Like, <laughs> And when I say apologies for language, I don't mean the swearing. I mean the the language of it sounding a bit more flippant. It's not meant to. But like the idea of just being at some point in your life, you've just something's gone wrong. Is it is that kind of enough, or do you get kind of this person's a, a, a drug addict? We need to find someone that was a drug addict. Is it more like that, or is it just the idea that you've been through some kind of trauma? I think it, it depends on um, the program, the situation. Okay. I mean, so I did. I will say there's a problem <laughs> in um, in like the peer specialist community where um, in terms of like uh, honoring culture, honoring worldview, like that's a thing we're supposed to do. <laughs> that is essential for peer specialists. We need to like honor culture, honor people's worldview and, and consider it and like understand we have our own lenses that we're seeing through right so like for example as a white cis woman i'm not necessarily gonna understand a black trans man's experience as a black trans man yeah so and i can still like you know be a peer support but i can't like attempt to say oh i totally get what it's like to be a black trans man like I can't. And there's a problem in peer support where some peer specialists are not, not naming that, that difference of experience and honoring it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's part of the growing, but we got to do that more. Um, So, so in terms of exact experience, no, we're not going to all have exact experience. Yeah. Um, But you know, the, the feelings of distress of, perhaps like alienation yeah you know uh, maybe the only times you would, so i'm guessing maybe the only times that you might be a, a bit more kind of we need to find someone similar would be potentially um domestic abuse or something where really to, to be understood you need you'd again i might be completely naive to it but i would assume that with something like that a survivor or someone that's going through it might might ha- kind of feel that they can only speak to someone that's been well, through yeah so so i think i think well you know for for like our line we have 15 20 25 minute calls yeah um but like yeah for example if if a male or female or non-binary person um however they identify is calling in and saying like uh like they have some kind of traumatic experience and it's very closely identified with a particular gender or particular presentation and they're like i 
I really, it's traumatic for me, or it's like very um, triggering or invalidating for me to get um, support from, from this presentation of gender. Yeah. So we will sometimes have a conversation with them and be like, okay, well, that's, that's understandable. Like we, we don't want to gatekeep that. We don't want to be no. jerks, you know? No. So, so that's, that is something like we, we want to work with that person. Like we want them to be able to get support. Um, yeah. In it's... a lot of places, programs where you're doing like longer term relationships, which, which I've done also, yeah. um, we try to match people up with something that's going to fit for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, so yeah. It, it is obviously difficult. I mean, um, so I was um, at one point, I was um, a local um, president for student minds, which is, you know, it's a mental health group in the UK, uh, National Mental Health Group, and they have basically branches in every university or most universities. Um, and I had similar kind of interaction because, of course, I'm a six foot two, broad shouldered martial arts instructor. Yeah. Not, you know, five, and this isn't to everyone, but generally five, two skinny um, girls that, are, that have, are, are, are victims of abuse aren't going to come to me even because um, obviously with the with um, the way we did it was kind of just we talk to you to see if it's we can signpost you somewhere see if we can or if you just want to talk to us so i always tried to make sure that we had um someone someone that was basically the opposite of me on that committee in that group that if that came up we could be like look even if you don't like even if mike's so to me it was weird because i was like even if my experience is nearer to that person it's to me, I'm far more imposing, imp like on Twitch, I'm not because I'm in a fucking yeah. chair. Like, but in person, I will look more imposing because I'm going to mm -hmm. tower over most of you. If you're like, in my family, I tower over my, all the women in my family, let alone in anywhere else. So it's, it's going to be very, it could be very intimidating. You know, if there's, I mean, it could be the opposite. It could be that, um, they actually think, well, you know, my, my ex-boyfriend was abusive. So I, I actually like the idea of talking to someone that I can feel protected around. It could be like, I've had that, yeah. but it, it is always difficult to try and find that right kind of match up in any way that, that, you know, it, it becomes very difficult, I think. And I, I think obviously for you, it's, it, it becomes even, even more difficult, but then you have a better interaction with them potentially, um, I would say than, than our group ever really would we were we were kind of there to kind of blanket help rather than specific interactions it's just that mm -hmm. they could come to us if they were just distraught you know we, we used to have it i know when you were saying about um having the the world view thing that just reminds me of something that i was told and i don't know if you were in the chat at all but the idea that a counselor in seattle actually and this may make um a lot more english people shocked than americans um, actually turned to um, a, a patient and said, or a client, and said that um, basically the reason everything was going wrong is because they didn't believe in God and they should pray more. I was like, if you did that in the UK, you are done. That is your career fucking over. Like the idea that you can say to someone, well, the, pro the, the, the your problems you're having is because you didn't believe in God. I've worked with literal vicars who wouldn't fucking say that to someone. Like we, I used to, we used to have as our main, our, our main person to be like the person we would go to to talk to someone is a vicar because of the fact that we didn't, there was no intimidation of like counseling background. He was just someone you talked to. He would have never said something like that. And it was so like the idea that somebody would say that, and especially someone that's meant to be a professional counselor. And in Seattle, which is meant to be like the Europe of fucking America. 
I mean it. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's not shocking anymore. No, no, no. It's like it's it's fucking awful, but it's just I've heard it so much because like I I I talk to a lot of people who are just like I I've been shit on by the mental health system at this point. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't even know if it's potentially, but I I'm, I know when I've spoken to people about um, U.S., Canada, Australia, um, U.K., like the the kind of the ones that we could we could pretend that we have a lot of similarities. Um, America does seem to be the most fucked with mental health, but I do think that England is that the U.K. is second. I think like I think we are like we're up there on on not giving a shit like we would still be i think um like we would never have comments like that so we'd be a lot better in that, that sense but i do think we're still up there in the kind of we don't we don't seem to to care like it's a it's a secondary thing i i remember i was talking to someone that um during the pandemic in the southwest of the uk um there was a suggestion just a suggestion from a from a board of uh, like a, a an NHS board that um, those with serious mental health issues, so suicidal, um, severe, like schizophrenia, whatever, like serious ones, should in the queue of like who gets seen go ahead of people that have chronic illness. So not people that are like about to die, like people that might have fucking asthma, people that might have a bad ankle people that and there was and immediately the bbc who is meant to be impartial immediately put like backlash against and it's like why why the fuck is there a backlash because the people who are extremely mentally unstable in some way are probably nearer to having some need for the nhs potentially from their own harm than anyone with a chronic illness and that's not to say that if somebody with a chronic illness you know, had a, a serious issue that they wouldn't then go straight into hospital. But this idea that like just pushing people with a mental health issue forward a little bit, it's like, oh, we can't do that. Why, why would you do that? I was like, right. the fuck? Like there's, there's so many people, like I, not as much in the UK anymore, but I don't know if you come across it as much in the US of where people, even potentially people you speak to on your line, don't actually believe in mental illness. Like, they don't believe in mental health issues. It's just a kind of, oh, well, yep. people make that up, you know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and it uh, sometimes people who are who are calling and really need support are struggling with those ideas themselves, mm. and it's yeah. really heartbreaking sometimes. Yeah. Because they're because they've been told this kind of thing their whole life. Like, there's no such thing as like, basically, there's no such thing as distress. Like, that's not a reasonable <laughs> yeah. human response and if yeah. you have distress extreme distress like there's something wrong with you yeah. right? there's yeah. something broken about you if you are like people calling during a pandemic basically having emotional breakdown mm -hmm. saying there's something wrong with me like i just have to buck up i'm like it's uh, a like i just want to assure you this is a pandemic like you're having a normal human response and people just yeah. like tearing themselves up yeah, because they, it's, they've gotten all these messages their whole life that like you're weak if you have distress. Yeah, that's so, so, such a weird like, I mean, again, there's there's cultural things that come into that. But the idea that people are just gonna go, yeah, but it's it doesn't exist. And I mean, I've had it with with family and 
like not not maliciously at all but when because i have ocd i have obsessive compulsive disorder and for the love of god people fucking look that up because it is not turning the light switch on and off again i will smack you in the face for it um yes, ocd please, is you. completely <laughs> fucking ocd is completely fucking different <coughs> and actually it, it in, includes intrusive thoughts like the people you will find that attack themselves most and are the most fucking paranoid probably have ocd <laughs> so like i've had people that literally will be uh, in my family have said oh is it really that bad and i'm like you're not quite getting it are you <laughs> like this is you know I've, I've ended up in hospital because i've had a panic attack because of not being able to do something and people just gonna go oh yeah but uh, what i think what undermines specifically ocd for me is when people just they will talk about having an ocd i'm like that's not a fucking thing you don't have an OCD or the idea that it's only people that clean a lot or that it's only one thing and they don't realize, no, OCD is anything that you become obsessed with. So it can be completely different and changing throughout your entire fucking life. It doesn't have to be the same thing. Like, I, I, it, I, know, I know you suffer as well, so it pisses me off knowing. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Um, people who tell me I don't have OCD because my room is messy. I'm like, do you go fuck yourself? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like... So for anyone, one, like for simple things, um, because mine comes a lot with germophobia as well. Yes, there's stuff that's messy, but alcohol gel, alcohol gel, alcohol gel, alcohol gel. There's another one there in my bag. Like when this pandemic started, I didn't need to go out and find this shit. This was already in my house. My parents um, can tell you that when I was a child, I used to wash, I used to have the worst fucking um, thing about this because of, um, not, not like full on germophobia, but like, associated with it i used to wash my hands so much that they bled and then of course because they're bleeding they're now dirty again i like i, I regularly still wash my hands in bleach and people always think that's really i still wash my hands in bleach because i'm fucking kidding everything like when the pandemic started yep bleach and nothing's coming on me but it's it's that thing and people don't understand that that is that's a baseline for ocd that isn't the extreme that's the fucking baseline for ocd right. Going, going out of your house and having to um, close the door and then go back and check isn't OCD. It can be part of someone's OCD, but it isn't an OCD by itself. So right. like, if you have things like that, guys, you can still ring people like Joelle. You can, like, if you, because I think people worry as well that, like you said about being broken, that if they have something like actual OCD, where there are intrusive thoughts, there's continued paranoia, there's a need to do stuff, that you don't want to ring into somewhere like potentially a peer back, or you don't yeah. want to see someone because one it's a misrepresentation in the media and everywhere else of what that kind of condition is like there is with all other things it's just that i know ocd so it makes sense um and, but you have that thing of like you say you're broken because you would just think well i'm always thinking this I i'm broken that's it and people just don't get it like i have friends who have mental health issues of other things and they just go no explain it to me i'm like i fucking can't I cannot explain it to you because you don't understand. And people, like if you continue to be assurance for certain things, people just go, oh, but you should just know now. And I'm like, it's not how my right. mind works. That's <laughs> not how it fucking, like, that's not how it works. Um, Do you want to have one of these on OCD at some point? <laughs> like... Probably should, yeah. yeah. But I, hey, I always warn these, these go in any direction. But I think I, think I bring OCD up. Because <laughs> you, you spoke about broken. And I think that definitely links into something like, you wouldn't have people ringing in, but like people are told that what 
like if you have the if you have the symptoms of real OCD, you're probably going to get told you're broken. You're going to get told by someone there's something wrong with you. There's this, that, and the other. And I think that can be really difficult because obviously people don't really believe in those forms of of mental health issues. Like the the only ones that seem to get any attention are like the buzzword ones. So, oh, you're autistic. Okay, we 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 know that is a thing now. Yeah, like oh yeah, we had Rain Man. I mean, depending was, on who you're talking about. Autism. <laughs> Um, like just just to point that out, guys. Um, the guy that's based on believed by most people not to actually have autism for a start, and that was a fucking awful betrayal. I don't give a shit if Dustin Hoffman was loved for it. Um, but anyway, people kind of go, oh well, it's a thing. Like we've heard that on a on a movie, um, and like depression is the buzzword one. Anxiety has become more of a buzzword one. But that's the problem: is that I'm having to put the word buzzword next to mental health issues, and that's like no. That shouldn't be a thing. But unfortunately, if you have anxiety, depression, um, uh, autism, something like that, the media goes, okay, these things we recognize. And so the government goes, these are things we recognize. We'll give you some money for this. But if people have, you know, um, different forms of anxiety, OCD being an anxiety disorder, if people have different parts of depression, if people have um you know domestic abuse kind of um i've forgotten the term for it where you don't want to escape because oh what's it called like the, the when you're when you're uh, um suffering abuse but you don't want to leave because fuck oh the, there was a term yeah, for it. I can't no, think of no, it. I but yeah so again yeah. there's there's ones like that where you know the general media will go well just fucking leave them you know that's the response and of course those are the kind of people that i would assume for um like a, a peer-based line you would get ringing into you because who the fuck else do they have to talk to? Because if they went to like the police, they're going to ignore them. Most the hospitals are going to ignore them. But your lines, yeah, those are, yeah, those uh, are really know, hard calls. Yes, because because obviously I think the response from most of us, it probably including me, and I, you know, I kind of know some stuff would be fucking leave. But of course that isn't that isn't a thing. You know, it's not. It's just not possible a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really difficult and i think it, it's potentially where you know the peer-based stuff comes in is 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 picking up the 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 societal scraps and that mm -hmm. sounds harsh but do you are you kind of hoping that say let's say i don't know 10 15 years in the future that peer-based becomes more of a this is part of our mental health approach and it's not just a this is the scraps because society doesn't want to recognize anything. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Or so, do you value your independence from it? You know, because that's, well, that's also a thing as well. So that's, that's the hard thing is that um, part of the role as a peer specialist is honestly to be a change agent. Mm. So, and that's like, as you get more and more supported by the system you're more and more restrained to not yeah. change the system mm. so how much funding do we want <laughs> yeah to, you know um but well, I, I think it's not even um funding though potentially just the idea of, of recognition just them going oh you exist you do something okay yeah <laughs> um but but also like if you get a grant that gives you um recognition you know like yeah oh yeah. you got funded by so and so oh you must like matter <laughs> yeah um but i think you know where where i am right now like 
we're 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 recognized as part of the crisis system. Right. Um, okay. Is that just in your state though, or? Yeah, that's just in Colorado, but we can do a lot. Like there's, we are. This is really the first position as a peer specialist that we are really free to do what we need to do. Hmm. Not entirely. There's still stuff that we struggle with and there always will be if we want to get paid, <laughs> if yeah. we want to make a living, if we want to survive. Um, but we're able to do a lot of things. Part of those things are we are able to do the things like somebody's calling saying they're thinking about wanting to die we can do um, harm reduction stuff with them. Like mm. you have the bottle of pills in front of you. Okay, what are we gonna do with those? Okay, bring them out to your car, lock them in the, in the glove box. What are you gonna do with those keys now? Okay, go give them to your roommate. Yeah. Stuff like that. Whereas somewhere else, I wouldn't be able to do that with that person, mm. you know? And then person calls back two hours later, say they've ordered a pizza. They'll call back the next morning, you know, like, and the thing is like people, a lot of the criticisms are that like, we are not qualified to do that, but like, we clearly are. Yeah. I mean, I, I have, I, 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 like the first, one of the first things that I tend to have on, on Twitch is you have people come in, despite the fact it's in my about section, like everything, like it's, it's fucking there guys, read it. Um, but people come in and go, oh, well, what makes you think you can talk about mental health? And it's like, well, firstly, I'm not advising anyone at all. If you actually like watched me rather than fucking randomly said stuff, but also like, I, I'm just, I'm just facilitating, but also it's like, I don't, I always have the issue of like, right now I've got to stop all this where we could have had someone that was, you know, talking because they needed stuff from people in chat. I'm now going to explain to this person okay, right, look, I don't know anything. I've got to go through the whole thing again. And it, it's like, you're having to validate yourself. Um, obviously, you kind of have more validation than I do. But it's like, you're having to validate yourself for, for not, for things that shouldn't really need to be validated at that point. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I've been around long enough to see how badly people have come. And like, after doing things the right way, you know, they go and talk to their provider who they supposedly trust and say like, I'm struggling with these thoughts. Their provider hits the red button. They get involuntarily hospitalized. They come out even more traumatized and then they never will talk to anyone else again when they have these thoughts. Yeah. It just gets I mean, worse and worse. And so yeah. they sit, they sit there by themselves scared that they're about to do something to themselves. Yeah, so I mean, when we can, so yeah, when we can work with someone and make them not scared to call us when they need the support, when they need this planning, when they, you know, then they will keep coming back when they need yeah. that support. And that's, you know, it's, that's it's really important. recognizing that you exist because you're part of the, the system. Like, so me and, and, and a few other yeah. people, um, so Henry on, on Twitch and things like that say as well, is we, we kind of say that like meds can be part of it for some people they are needed for some people they're not yeah. but i think constantly what what you, yourself uh, me and just normal actually qualified counselors have to fight against all the time is people get thrown and, it, and i think i think personally it's probably more of an issue in america because of the healthcare system you get thrown pills at you and told this is someone you're gonna go see and then 
it might not work for them and that's it then there's no other support that's it that you're done and actually <laughs> that's the fucking problem because then you get people like i've had people come into my thing and just go it doesn't work talking doesn't work this doesn't work and you're like do you know how many different types of treatment there is and also a different person because like if somebody comes yeah. to if somebody goes to like let's say uh, let's say I, I i get my diploma i fucking hope so but let's say i for you know in a year's time whatever i get my diploma in in counseling culture behavior therapy i for fucking sure do not sound like most of the people that will be doing that i do not sound like them i'm not that like i will say you're a fucking like i'm not gonna because i'm not gonna be open in my clinic i'm not gonna be doing something like that i'm not that's not me like i couldn't fucking do that so th there's different people that you can interact with like i've had someone say to me before like they had a, um a, one counselor that was just fucking awful and they had another counselor that kind of could tell that being more direct with them worked and so it was more direct and since then it's it's really worked and so it's knowing that like having some peer support as well as upping your exercise as well as this can so you, you don't just stand alone i think we, we forget right. as well is that people think oh it's i've just got to do a peer, peer um peer support stuff or i'm just going to go to the doctor i'm just going to do so no like I, I know someone who was institutionalized um had pills and stuff like that and actually since um, he's had interaction with trying to train for a marathon and he's upped his um like his uh, exercise and things like that uh his doctor has lowered his meds and he's not having hallucinations um as often anymore um he's still doing a lot of other stuff and he's still on meds but because other things have come in to be part of that treatment mm -hmm. it's it's even now and there's different ways of going for it and i think you know having your peer-based thing there so it might be so do you get many people that say um like because i think a lot i think the way i probably am the person that's made it sound like this but like for your group is where it's you know if you're suicidal that's when you ring it up but do you have many people that have like let's say they go to their their therapist on a monday and then on a wednesday they ring you guys or do you generally get people that are just with you or no i mean everybody across all spectrums like right. we have, we have people who call us and they'll chat with us and they'll be like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll definitely talk about this with my counselor, with my therapist. Like she mm. loves that, that I call you and talk to you. So <laughs> it's great to talk to you the day before I go with her. Cause then it helps me sort out what I need to talk to her about. Right. Okay. Stuff like yeah. that. Um, yeah. People doing all kinds of things. I mean, I, I know that peer support is not going to work for everyone mm. and that's fine. I really my biggest thing across anything is I want people to have agency voice choice. Hmm. And if that means they're like, screw peer sport, never work for me, fuck y'all. That's fine. <laughs> and if they're, if they are legitimately like, I just want to see a psychiatrist every three months, get my med refill. And that is my quality of life choice. Good. Yeah. I just don't want that to be a forced thing. Yes. And I, I don't want that to be the only choice. No, I mean, that was actually a worry I had in a podcast the other day um, because we had, um, we were discussing about um, various things, things of mental health. And we had someone come into a chat um, and basically saying, this is the way to do it. And they were like, I'm doing a PhD in psychology. This is the way to do it. I'm like, it doesn't mean anything. Just because you are only doing one way does not mean, yeah. uh, they would just not accept the fact that um uh, that they were in any way wrong you know like but it doesn't work like you you have to accept it acceptance therapy is the only way like no one's content therefore acceptance therapy is it and i'm like 
no, that's that, that's not that you can't say that for everyone. Like you say, it's it's just not it's not a thing. And I think potentially we have too many of that kind of person rather than myself and yourself that kind of go, no, no, like if it doesn't work for you, then it doesn't fucking work for you. Like I know for a fact CBT does not work for everyone. I know that you know things like this just don't for, for a lot of people. There's a lot of counselling, there's a lot of treatments, there's a lot of other stuff that people just gonna go, oh fuck off. I'm one of them. Like I'm doing a diploma in counseling CBT. I wouldn't go near either of them, but I know that for other people, they are amazing for the people. And people always find yeah. that strange because they're like, but if, if it's no good for you, why would you do it? I'm like, because just because I, it doesn't work for me, doesn't mean I don't believe in the idea of them. It just yeah. means that personally for me, they don't fucking work. And I think personally, there should be more people that are in the field that understand that their stuff doesn't fucking work for everyone because i think a lot of time people go this is what i do therefore this is right and no like that's that's not it that's the in my mind that's the same as the positive uh, the, the toxic positivity guys of going don't worry about it it's all going to be fine and those guys can fuck off um if any of you are watching me which you know you wouldn't if you've ever fucking heard of me um but but there you go yeah um was there anything you wanted to kind of round up without me interrupting you um and then we're kind of finish it off at all no uh, <laughs> um i'm not sure um well i mean uh you know one thing that's funny is like my husband doesn't like peer support like for right. example <laughs> it just really doesn't work for him at all yeah. um meanwhile i am like you know peer sport is like <laughs> how i live my life like by yeah. those ethics um um no i think just like you know peer support as a peer specialist is like i think it's just really important for people to understand like it's it's very specific in its ethics mm. and you know the the training um some of the programs that that say they're that our training programs are not super great, <laughs> um, and that's going to happen with a lot of things that are still kind of in flux. But most, are there any that you would like to? I, know, I said I wouldn't interrupt you, but you know, um, are, are there any? Are there any like? Don't call out the the shitty states, but are there any states where you would be like those guys are, are really doing it right? Um, I have to say where I was trained, Massachusetts. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and and I'm not I'm not just saying that. Like Massachusetts is, you know, they they really they have their shit together. They have they have stuff going on. Yeah. Um, you know, they're really especially Western Mass, they're really expanding. Um Colorado's doing pretty well. <laughs> um, Georgia uh has, you know, their their training and their ethics are um that surprises me, I have to say. Are, are pretty much the standard oh, that okay. a lot of things are based on. Um, there's a couple others that I just can't pull out of my brain right now. But um, I mean, I mean, my my training ethics that I signed when I tra when I trained and passed, um, they were based on the Georgia the Georgia okay. model and ethics. Um, and you know, I I mean, so Colorado, for example now has a continuing education system which is slowly going which which makes sense that's what a lot of certifications do it's just sometimes it's hard to get it going so but we have we have recertification now every two years and um continuing education which is great um mm -hmm. and like you know part of 
part of my ethics that I signed is that I continually pursue edu new education, new information, um, you know, what's going on, what's going to improve my skills, um, you know, like um, uh, non-enmeshment. What? Um, so I don't know if it's called the same of that. So it's like CPD. Um, so if, if someone signs up to uh, as a gym even gym instructors but if they sign up to something um and teachers have to do it if um you have to do cpd so continued professional development yeah you have to like earn so many points that's um, basically yeah yeah so it, is that it's okay a similar system i mean it's called something else but it's basically yeah, yeah. okay that's that's cool that's yeah that's really good yeah because like um, that's what teachers do so yeah and you know we have i mean there's a lot of like pretty specific things um but also, I mean, in, in my training, which is, which I think is essential, we, we talked about self-care, not the like, take a fucking bubble bath self-care, but like, how, how do I not enmesh myself with people? How do I keep this, like this, this good, healthy distance where I'm compassionate for myself and I'm compassionate. <laughs> what? And I'm, compa I'm, just, I'm just thinking of, of my catchphrase for my Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm compassionate to other people. You know, how can I sustain myself? Um, in this job that is very hard, um, you know, how, how do I really pursue that mutuality? Um, I am supposed to be a change agent. How do I do this in a way that is not destructive to myself or the people I serve, but that is still pushing that needle? You know, yeah. what does that mean to be a change agent? You know, how am I, how am I really staying person-centered? What does that mean? You know, like all this stuff, um, what does it mean to have to like consider worldview? How do I get there? Um, yeah. How do I, you know, how do I honor people's agency? Um, very like, very detailed. I mean, my my training was a two week residential training, so, <laughs> and and I had you know I had to apply. It was not a entry level program. Like, you had to have at least six months of experience doing a similar position. So, um, you know, that th there are some trainings that are a little behind, some states that I think are a little behind need to catch up. But ultimately, you know, peer support, the training, the programs, when we are supporting our peer specialists, when they are getting their fucking supervision hours, like any other, <laughs> other, other human services professional, like they mm. need to get. Um, when they're getting the support, we're doing a good job. We're doing what we need to do. Um, we get our training. Um, it's not just coffee. And I, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I, th I think it is, you know, we're not, ideally, we're not trying to replace, but we want to give people choices and options and what work for them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, that, that, that's cool. I mean, I was, I, the reason I kind of went, oh, like that when you were saying about, um, it's okay, is it, I know no everyone watching this will um, watch my Twitch, but I, I literally have a catchphrase that um, that uh, Joel knows, which is uh, <coughs> make sure to make sure to turn on your light first. And um, basically, you matter before you can't fucking help someone else if you're fucked. Like it, we're talking yeah. about burnout earlier. If you're about to burn out, you're a fuck all used to someone else. So at some point, you have to have that self care to have that ability to go. You know what? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I I matter right now. I matter. So. Um, but, and obviously if you're in Massachusetts, like if this looks, sounds good to you and you're in Massachusetts, Colorado, or seemingly especially Georgia, 
as the standard, which I, I like, I, again, very kind of naive um, English person. I wouldn't have associated Georgia with that. But hey, if you're in Georgia and this is the kind of thing that you think you'd be a good at or going forward, you're the gold if standard. If you're in so. Colorado in uh, January, February, I would look up the Colorado Peer Support Line if you're looking for a job. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, so there you go, guys. You can do that as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's brilliant having you on. Um, obviously, and people know with my podcast, I go fucking all over the place. We have stayed on, <laughs> on topic quite a lot. I mean, probably more stayed on topic than I do with a lot of them. But uh, they are, I didn't answer one thing. Oh, go for it. Go for it. About you asked um, what basically what I think about your Twitch. Oh, yes. Go on. Stream in terms. Of, no, I think I honestly think most of um, the Twitch streams that are that are really aimed towards providing a, a space for, you know, mental health support discussion that, that are legitimately doing that, not just like playing what the hell ever and saying like mental health. But like I do, I think it's a really important space, especially now. Yeah. Like, honestly, because I came to Colorado and I still haven't been able to really go out anywhere yeah. or meet anyone beyond people I kind I work with, but I'm still like mostly working from home. Mm -hmm. Twitch has been really important for me because yeah. I haven't been able to establish that in-person network that I had in Massachusetts, that I had in California. So having those spaces where it's human interaction, it's yeah. a space to talk about mental health, it's a space to talk about distress, like what's actually going on. I think it's really important. And if, you know, those spaces didn't pop up, I think, I think there would be a bigger hole there. I, you know, I think it's great. I think that you aren't trying to say you're anything other than what you are. Grumpy. And, and I think, no, and, and, <laughs> and I think, no, and I, and I think, I think it's a great space that you offer. And that's why I'm like, check out this person. <laughs> but that, okay. I have to address this. That's why people, you know, will, will give you bits or whatever, or will, refer to you or like whatever they're doing that makes no sense to anyone that doesn't know twitch but yeah <laughs> whatever. okay well that's that's why people will say yeah. your name and and like sing your praises and give you tips because what you're doing is important you do whatever you want with that you spend it on your channel yeah well you know you spend okay. it on your equipment <laughs> oh i've got the ch guys i have the if anyone ever wants to do podcasts or twitch these um these are kind of inherited this i got off of facebook marketplace because it was a, a student that was actually scaling up the arm was 20 quid off amazon and that light up there is a ring light that cost a tenner off amazon you don't need money to do it trust me you're fine no. you, yeah, these people that get fucking blue yetis and all that shit fuck off um but yes well i mean thank you it, it, the, I, I have a twitch channel that you know isn't totally fucking people up i always go on the idea that i i just turn on a camera and start talking yeah. um, and people turn up i think that you you briefly said about is that it is important i think that people who people who need help and this doesn't mean come to my channel or anything like that it means if you're going to go to a mental health channel check out the person first don't go into channels for instance that go on about the fact that they're on 11 podcasts across the world and then say they'll pray for you because they're probably not that legitimate um you know there are certain people on there that will just throw positivity at you and i'm sorry but positivity and just saying that everything's gonna be okay isn't the fucking answer so if you're gonna if you're looking for stuff online like it isn't the be all and end all in, and it's not for everyone to, to try and do that but um you know don't just get 
pulled into the cult of positive and all that kind of bullshit. Like I will actively move against anyone calling me part of positivity or wholesomeness because I'm not. Um, so just be careful when you do look at that online. Like there are, there are. Fuck you, I'm not wholesome. Crimes. Yeah, basically, yeah. Like, because especially with things like Twitch, I, I do think they're good. Like it's why I do it on Twitch. And, and you said about bits, but my worry is always that I think there's a cultishness to Twitch where if you get pulled into it, people will just drain you of money. And please, if you're having issues, if you're in the US, Ring a poor uh, a peer support line if you're in the UK, Samaritans, um, Nightline, if there's other people, if you need to talk to someone or there's always, again, I'll put the link down below. There's always resources somewhere to, to, to kind of call out for to help you, even if it's just an online chat, because some websites and some organizations do have that as well. So you don't have to yeah. talk to someone. So, OK, well, thank you very much for coming on, Joelle. And thank you, everyone, for joining mm -hmm. us. And um, we will see you next week. Cheers, guys. <laughs>